the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Welcome home to three Americans. They're all, they're all uh, South Koreans or Koreans and, uh, and moved to the United States, naturalized U.S. citizen. The first one is Kim Dong-chul. He was uh, taken by the North Korean police on, on uh, October 2nd, 2015. He was accused of spying. He is a resident of Virginia, and we all know that if you live in Virginia, what else is in Virginia, Stu? Um, yeah. The farm. The farm. The farm. farm CIA. CIA. Yeah. So if you're a resident of Virginia, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Right. So Thank he you for be- asking me. He became, <laughs> you're very good. <laughs> he became a, an American citizen in 1987. He's lived with his wife uh, in China since 2001. He worked just across the North Korean border uh, in a special economic zone where he ran a hotel service company. He is also a pastor. This is his biggest crime, I'll bet you. Very little was known about his status until a news crew interviewed him during their uh, visit in January 2016. He told reporters during a news conference organized by uh, Kim Jong-un that he was a spy. He apologized for stealing military secrets in confusion with South Koreans and called his own actions unpardonable. And you have to take his word on that one. Well, yeah, he was he was in the hands <laughs> yeah, right. of the North Koreans. Of course. North Korea ex- um, accused him of receiving a USB drive and various papers containing nuclear secrets during a meeting with a defector of the regime. One day after the trial, he was sentenced to 10 years of, for har- of hard labor for his supposed espionage. The previous victims of the regime have explained that they were also forced to make similar public declarations of their guilt after being tortured despite being uh, innocent. So that's that's number one guy. Number two that came home yesterday was Kim ha- uh, Hack Song, otherwise known as Jin, I think it's Zhu Song. He had been working at the University of Science and Technology in uh, Pyongyang. How do you say the Pyongyang? Pyongyang? Yeah, Pyongyang. Pyongyang. So it's Pyongyang. 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 I'm glad I live in America. Okay? <laughs> wouldn't I wouldn't be able to be Asian. I can't I can't uh, appropriate anybody's culture cuz I can't speak it. No, I can barely speak this. I can barely speak English. It's your only line between a sumo wrestler. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so, uh Pyongyang Pyongyang. 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 I don't know. I can't hear the difference. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah. Anyway, mm. uh, <laughs> we're going to call it Pust from here because it's Pyongyang. Pyongyang. University of Science and Technology. Mm. P-U-S-T. Anyway, he was working for that in Pyongyang. He was undertaking <laughs> agricultural development uh, and working with the school's farm. So people from... Pyongyang. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to farm, which would be a good thing. In Pyongyang. Because there's no farm. There's no, there's no food. <laughs> Not a lot of food going on no, there, huh? unfortunately. So he was arrested at a railway station in... Um, Pyongyang, probably. I'm just guessing at this point, <laughs> yes, but you look right, at me and right. I think I should probably say Pyongyang. Yeah, yeah. On, suspected, uh, on suspicion of committing 
Pyongyang? <laughs> no, hostile acts against the government. <laughs> he was boarding a train headed for his uh, home in Dangdong, China. Kim, he's in his mid-50s. He was born in China, educated at the University of California. Uh, he returned to China after 10 years of living in the U.S., where he is a citizen. Uh, it was founded, the university that he is uh, work, was working for, founded by evangelical Christians overseas and opened in 2010. They have a number of American faculty members, or, or did. Pupils are generally children from the North's elite not known whether he was, uh, you know, uh, sentenced for his supposed hostile acts. We have no idea why he was even in prison. Then there's Kim Sang-duk, Korean-American Kim Sang-duk, known as Tony Kim, which I like much better. Uh, <laughs> you, you're going to go with his uh, also known as? On I'm going to go as, mm-hmm. as Tony Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was arrested uh, at the main airport in... Um, Pyongyang, Pyongyang. Hey. As, he, uh, as he tried to leave the country after uh, teaching several weeks as a guest lecturer at Pust. So he was at the same, same university. U- same university. He's a uh, former professor of University of Science and Technology in China, which is close to the Korean border. Uh, his uh, website uh, lists his specialties as accounting, and I'm guessing that you get an accountant and steal the accounting secrets of North Korea. We got them. <laughs> a lot of zeros to add up over there. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he graduated from the University of California, Riverside in 1990, a master's degree in business administration. Again, steal their business and accounting secrets. Mm. And we rule the world. Um, he is in his late 50s. He was involved in relief activities for children in rural parts of North Korea. He is a, according to sources, a religiously devoted man. So these are all, all three of these guys are evangelical Christians who seem to be motivated to go over there to help people. He was detained with his wife um, at the Sunan International Airport 2017 while waiting for a flight. Police later arrested Kim, but did not explain why his wife was allowed to leave the country. Um, Pust said the arrest was not related to his work at the university. In his Facebook post, Kim Sung said that his family had no contact with him since the arrest. And he didn't know until last night that he is soon to become a grandfather. Oh, wow. So these are the three Americans that came home yesterday. And all this happened in or around... I don't ever have to go. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, they, uh, I was listening to some of the journalists who were there, and they had to just wait in the lobby of the hotel because you can't leave. You can't walk out of the street without a, without a government you know, uh, chaperone. So they sat in the lobby of the hotel waiting for uh, Pompeo to go up and do you know his, his negotiation, and they would come down and uh, they would update the journalists as they sat in the lobby. And the word is that they, including Pompeo, no one knew if they were taking them out. They didn't know he, he didn't know if he was meeting Kim Jong Un while he was there, and he did not know for sure that they were taking them out. Fingers crossed, but no no actual knowledge that they were going to be able to remove the prisoners last night. I mean, it's been rumored for weeks. But they did not know for sure that they were going to actually get them out of there. What is it like to live in a state that is that clamped down? I mean, I don't ever want to know. I'm a little freaked out that we might be going that direction. Yeah. Uh, But uh, what is it like to live in a state like that? 
Jeez, I mean, I can't even imagine it. It's so much that you take for granted is just gone. I mean, you can't walk outside by yourself. I, that's, it, you know, again, it's typical of Americans and myself to complain about many things uh, that, uh, you know, when you have something that's very, very good, which has been the United States for its history, mm-hmm. when you see flaws in that, it's the only thing you notice. It's mm-hmm. like a pretty face with a, with a scar on it, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the first thing you might notice. That being said, it's a hell of a lot better than what the heck's going on over there. Well, what's going on over there is, you know, for instance, you have a complaint. You don't make the complaint. You don't question the state ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we think that we're so very religiously tolerant. However, there are problems here in the United States. If you are, I mean, to me, what these guys did is they went over and they were evangelical Christians and they were helping people. I'm guessing that's they, why they, they weren't were. actually spying on accounting secrets. No, they were not spying on <laughs> oh, accounting okay. secrets. I think they were just Christians helping possibly undercover Christians. And to be clear, when you, when you do something like that, you know this is the risk. You know that the yeah. North Korean regime may put you in yeah. prison forever. And you do it because you believe what you're doing is more important than what happens to you. And that's why these guys are heroes. There are two stories. Uh, one is on the blaze today. Um, and the other one is at glenbeck.com. Uh, two stories, same subject. And I think they're the only ones you're going to find ever, anywhere about what's happening here in Dallas with religious persecution. Uh, and, you know, the Christians have been, you know, all up in arms about religious persecution. And the ones who are really leading the charge on this this time are, are the Jews. I mean, it's amazing what the Jewish people have done uh, with in Syria and trying to ring the bell in Syria. Um, I find it remarkable. This time, it's not Christians that are in trouble. It is Jews that are in trouble. Here in Dallas, uh, in the United States, you know, we, we all think that we can all live together and live side by side. There is a rabbi who um, is is not allowed to hold religious services in a place that he's been holding religious services for like, I don't know, 10, 15 years. What's crazy about this story is at first you kind of go, well, maybe there's some religious persecution. I don't know. I mean, maybe do they have a point? You know, you never want to, you never want to jump to, Hey, this is happening because of what that person believes. This is the only thing that you can come up with because the last hurdle, they, they've wanted to have a synagogue, and the city keeps rejecting and rejecting and rejecting and rejecting and keep adding new things. Oh, you got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. Well, they do all of it, and then the city says, nope, you got to do this, and they do that. Nope, you got to do this. Well, what the hell's happening here? And the latest rejection, the one that caught my eye, was that they needed a parking variance for Saturdays. Oh, okay, well, um, hmm. why would we need a parking variance for Saturdays? Because Saturday is the Sabbath, and anyone who is coming to synagogue is walking because no Orthodox Jew can drive a car. Why do we need a variance? I can't operate until... You give, grant me a variance, which you won't grant me for parking, which we won't use on Saturday. So one of the real strong organizations that stand up for religious liberty, um, we've had him on the show many, many times, 
is involved in this fight. And we have the rabbi coming in and, uh, and he's going to tell this story. There's something really wrong here with this. And if we believe in religious liberty, we have to uncover the, um, the, the, the wounds that are currently being inflicted. Forget about the past. Let's take care of the things that are currently happening. And uh, we'll bring that story to you. You can read that story at theblaze.com or at glenbeck.com. Uh, and uh, we have them coming in for uh, in just a minute. But I really think that we need to rally around. You know, should you find this story valid? I do. Um, but should you find this story valid? I think we really re- need to rally around and change this behavior. Um, there is an opportunity for Christians and Jews to come together unlike I've ever seen. Unlike ever before in history, a miracle is happening. Let's make sure that uh, our communities know that we need to trust each other and we need to stand hand in hand with Judeo-Christian ethics. We're in this one together. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.